We are starting a new series looking at the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be going through that um, through the summertime and early fall. And I'm really excited about this because the Old Testament gives us these different categories of books in Part of Proverbs is part of this Hebrew poetry, which includes Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And within those books gives us some great insight into the wisdom of God. And Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job focus on wisdom. How many would you say, I definitely need wisdom in my life, wisdom to make decisions? We all know we've made some bad decisions in our lives. But what a proverb is, is basically this. If you've ever read through the book book of Proverbs, it's basically just a short saying that expresses truth for practical, godly living. And so it gives us insight to what God shows us, what it means to live practically, godly, and to apply this to our very lives. So the Hebrew word for Proverbs comes from the root meaning to be like. So when you read through the Proverbs, it's going to say, be like this. If you are like this, if you are a fool, your, your life's going to be very destructive. If you live with wisdom and godly wisdom, your life is going to be like this. You're going to have a much better life. The book of Proverbs is sayings of the wise and how to live that wisdom out practically in our lives. It's a very practical book in the Old Testament. So God has given, given us these books to understand true wisdom and how to lead our lives correctly. And so wisdom is really an attribute of God. When we make a wise decision, and we include God in that decision, and we want to seek God in that decision, what we're really doing is we're glorifying God. And God wants us to seek him in everything that we do to understand what he wants and what his will is. And so when one despises God's wisdom, the Bible actually calls that person a fool. The footnote in, in the Bibles in the NIV says the Hebrew word rendered fool in Proverbs is often elsewhere in the Old Testament denotes a morally deficient person. And God doesn't want us to live our lives foolishly. Foolish living will always lead to destruction. Godly wisdom is how we deal with life correctly, and it's vital if we are going to live a good life. Now, we all know at times we've made some good decisions and we've made some really dumb decisions. How many of you have ever made a dumb decision looking back in your life and you said, man, that wasn't a really good decision, right? I see some of you nudging your spouse, right? You're going to have a great conversation on the way home. Remember that time? And you know, it always comes back to haunt you because it always gets brought up. Remember that time when you did this or that? It's like when you stay up late at night and maybe you were tired and you weren't thinking clearly and you're watching that infomercial, right? And you just thought you could not live without the Ginsu knives, my pillow, or Snuggie. How many remember that? You just made that decision. You're like, (laughs) the one in the middle just cracks me up. But anyways... I mean, you just made the decision, then later you thought, man, that was not a wise, what was I thinking? So we've all made those purchases at one time or another, not making a good decision. So what I want us to see here is wisdom is so important for us to understand and to apply to our life. King Solomon was one of the wisest persons to have ever lived. Why was that? Why was King Solomon so wise? And this is the reason why when he prayed, And God was going to make him king. He asked God to give him wisdom, not riches 
or possessions. And I want us to look here, first of all, before we dive in to the first chapter of Proverbs, let's look at at 2 Chronicles chapter 1, because here's what Solomon asks for. He said, God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth or possessions or honor, nor for the death of your enemies, and since you've not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I've made you king, therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And then I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will have. And here's the thing. Solomon was a great leader. He had many possessions. People would travel from all over to see him and to see his riches. But Solomon had a downfall. And the downfall in Solomon's life was his own indulgences. He didn't heed his own wisdom that God gave him, and he stopped listening to God. And we can all do this in our own lives, can't we? We can stop listening to God and listening to his instruction and listening to his word, which can lead our lives in a wrong direction. And so the book of Proverbs is not a book to simply give you head knowledge. It's a book to where we are to study and actually apply it to our lives. So when we give it our utmost attention, it will allow us to lead our lives correctly. So at the beginning of Proverbs, Solomon provides us with the purpose and foundation of wisdom. So let's dive into that this morning. Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Let's see what it says. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right, just, and fair. Doing what is right, just, and fair. And giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And I love this. This is what I want to focus on today. Because the beginning of wisdom, we must have a fear of the Lord. And it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools, once again, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what I want us to do this morning is is to dive into what does it mean to fear the Lord? What does it mean to fear the Lord? In verse 3, we are shown the purpose of wisdom and knowledge. And the the purpose is not to be smarter than everyone else. Wisdom is for everyone. It's for the young. It's for the old. Wisdom we need from the Lord in order to guide our lives correctly. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. We want to be wise in our own eyes many times. Or we can get easily full of ourselves and our own knowledge. I remember I was reading a book, and this book was really interesting. Uh, It was about World War II and precision bombing. It was very difficult in World War II to have precision bombing at 30,000 feet. They would just drop bombs, and they wouldn't know if they hit the target or not. There was a very smart man that was part of the Air Force, and he figured out how to do precision bombing. He calculated it. And they asked him, they said, how did you figure this out? You are so wise and you're so smart. And this is what he said. He said, God has already given us everything. We're just here to discover it. That's a wise man. That is a wise man. He didn't give glory to himself. He said, everything we've been given, God has already given to us. It's our job to discover it. And God has given us the wisdom to understand these things. That's a wise man. 
This is what God wants us to discover in our lives. The purpose is not to be smarter than everyone else or to be better at Jeopardy than everyone else. How many watch Jeopardy? How many Jeopardy people are out there? Great. Three of you. Wonderful. It's great. You got to watch it. It's great. And uh, I have to admit, I am the Jeopardy king in my house. All right. I just have to admit that. And Kathleen asked me, she goes, how did you know that? I go, I have all these useless facts just roaming in my mind. But if I do any kind of a math uh, problem, I can't do a thing. I am the dumbest person in the whole world. But I can have these useless facts just floating around in my brain and I can pull them out once in a while, but it's useless for my life. But anyways, it's fun to win a Jeopardy. So here's the thing. That's not the purpose of Proverbs. And so, you know, we have to understand that the purpose of Proverbs is how we receive this instruction that the Lord gives us. So it will show us how to live a righteous life. And the good news, the good news is we all can ask for wisdom. God is readily available to give us wisdom. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus in James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given unto you. And so here's, here's what it's saying. God is willing to give us discernment in practical ways. Very, very practical ways. Even in the most minor things of life, God is willing to help you when you call on his name. It it actually means abundantly. God is abundantly wanting to give us wisdom when we seek him in our lives. Seek God with your purchases. Get God, especially, you know, get God's wisdom, especially in your finances, you know, wisdom and how you, you spend money, ask questions, read how to handle your finances correctly. All these things are found in God's word. And really at the heart of it is our heart. It's really, it's not, money is never really the issue. The issue is our hearts. The issue is our attitude towards those things. And what the word of God does, it adjusts our attitude so those things don't become our focus, but God does. So that we can rightly use the resources that God has given us to glorify him. And then we're able to enjoy those things because those things don't become the object of our obsession Because once those things become an object of our obsession, you can never have what? Enough. You can never have enough. And so wisdom applied to our hearts helps us to look at our world differently and not allow this world to be the object of our affections. So this is how we gain wisdom in our hearts, by looking to God and what he has for us. And listen, the way to, what I love, I The stories I love to hear when you hear about successful people and maybe they've done well in life, usually there's some story behind the story. And usually it's some mistake that they've made in their lives. Those are the stories that I love to hear. And the way that we gain wisdom, some of the best people to listen to are the ones who made mistakes are the ones who made wrong decisions. Those are the people I like to to listen to. What did you do? How did you overcome that mistake? What did you do different? I'd love to hear how they've learned from their mistakes. And we can gain a lot of wisdom through the mistakes if we allow ourselves to be taught by it. See, many times we want to hear people's mistakes, and what do we usually say? Well, I'm so glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I didn't make that same mistake. See, that's the wrong way. Wisdom will not guide you in that way. What you have to do is wisdom would say, learn from that person because I could go the same way. 
I could make the same mistakes. I'm, I'm, I'm fallible just like that person. See, true wisdom gets a true insight into your own heart that you're not as big as you think you are, right? You're, you, we can tend to get too big for our britches, right? But when we look at the mistakes of others, it should humble us and say, God, teach me through this because I could go the same way. So I'd love to hear of those who have made those mistakes and how they learned from it and how they grew through it. Don't justify your flaws or mistakes. Learn from them. Don't justify your flaws and the mistakes that you've made in the past. Many times we want to cover them. We want to put potpourri on it. We want to make it smell better than it really was. Call it for what it is. I made a dumb decision. I did something wrong here. Call it for what it is. Own it and say, God, teach me through this so that I don't follow in that same pattern or I don't make that same mistake again. And here's how we do that. Here's what Solomon tells us. How do we truly walk in wisdom and discernment in our lives so that we can live our lives without looking back with all these regrets? Here's how we do it. What the Word of God tells us at the beginning in Proverbs chapter 1 is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is is the beginning of this knowledge. Now, he's not saying read more books. It's not that. As long as you have a, you know, a doctorate, it's not what it's saying here. What he's saying is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's the foundation. See, when we think of fear, here's the wrong way to think of it. When we think of, of fear, it can conjure up all kinds of feelings, guilt feelings. I'm not doing enough. God's not happy with me. You know, everybody, you know, that, that kind of fear. When we think of fear, we tend to think of, of terror, right? We tend to think of like, oh, if I make a mistake, God's going to strike me down with lightning. If I do this, if I do wrong, and maybe you're raised in that tr- type of church tradition. But what, what did Solomon mean by the fear of the Lord? See, when I was younger, I used to think of fear like terror, like scary movies or whatever. And when we were younger, um, we, <laughs> I don't know why we did this, but we did because we just like to just to terrorize our neighbors during Halloween. But what we would do is we had this porch and you'd walk into a, our porch during Halloween. And we had a, a window in the porch that went to our bathroom downstairs. And my dad would set up in the corner of our porch. He would put this bum, like stuff it. And then it has this mask, right? But it looks so real. So when people would walk in, they'd walk in and think, is this thing real? And they'd walk up the door and some people would touch it and say, oh, it's, it's fake. So what I would do as a kid, I would get in the window uh, in the bathroom. And when people get near, I go, oh, right. And just scare them. So then year after year, we'd set the bum up with the mask and it looks so real stuff it. And then people would say, oh, it's not real. We'd come in. Well, one year my dad dressed up as the bum and he sat in the chair with the mask. So then when, when people would come up to it, they would, they would touch it and my dad would, would move and they go running. And for some reason we had so much leftover Halloween candy that year than any year prior to that. Now, now is that the, is that the fear, um, that Solomon is saying? Is that the fear that he is talking about? That this is not the fear that Solomon is talking about here. Here, here's what he is talking about. And th- listen, 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 this is so good. Those of you watching online, listen, this is so good. If you get this, if you get this, it will change the way you live your life. It will change the way you relate to God. It will change the way you make decisions in your life. 
what Solomon is talking about here, the fear of the Lord is one of awe and wonder. The fear of the Lord is one of awe and wonder. Never lose your awe of God. See, the moment we lose our awe and wonder of God, when God becomes common in our lives, we stop relying on him for wisdom. And that's when we start to make mistakes. When we just get into a rut, and we, we get into a spiritual rut, or we know what to do and read our Bibles every day, and blah, 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 blah. When we lose that awe and wonder, we'll lose wisdom. We'll stop directing our lives by God and his word, and we'll begin to depend on ourselves. You see, the fear that is described in this verse, in verse 7, is one of awe and wonder of who God is. Now listen, here's, here's the problem. The problem is we can have knowledge of something, yet at the same time not apply wisdom. How many of you know some people that are very, very smart and they have absolutely no wisdom? Right? They just, they're really smart in something and it's like they just really lack wisdom. One can be knowledgeable or an expert about human behavior or relationships or even maybe apologetics or a defense of their Christian faith, yet their own marriage can be a train wreck. Right? Here's, here's where I want us to dig down into. Here's where many Christians make this mistake. We can memorize, we should, we can memorize the word of God, know the word of God, we should study the word of God. That's all important. But we can get puffed up with our own knowledge, can't we? We can get puffed up with our, the truth of God's word, but not apply wisdom to that knowledge. This is what Solomon is talking about. He doesn't want us to get puffed up with our own knowledge. Wisdom walks humbly before the Lord and consistently relies on God. I was listening to a story the other day. It got a lot of press. It got a lot of press in the major news outlets. Outlet. It, it was a woman who was an atheist, very, very smart. You could tell she's very intellectual and very philosophical, and she made a decision to turn to God and believe in God. And so this got a lot of press because she was atheistic and so on and so forth. So it got a lot of press, and I was listening to an interview with her uh, she was kind of debating another person who was an atheist who was asking questions about her conversion. Now, once again, brilliant, brilliant person. Man, philosophical. She was so far over my head. I was just listening to her. I'm like, I have no idea what she's talking about. But it's an interesting thing. But as the conversation went on, it was interesting. There was something in her life that she revealed that came in direct conflict to the Word of God. Direct conflict. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't a gray issue. It was a black and white issue. And she accepted this moral deficiency as being okay. And I'm like, isn't that interesting? Someone can have this knowledge, this ph philosophical approach to God and believe in God, but yet not really have the wisdom to apply it to their personal lives when there was something morally, uh, you know, morally wrong that the Word of God teaches that she said was okay. And I'm like, isn't that interesting? See, what wisdom does is wisdom humbles ourselves to not only know the word of God, have knowledge about the word of God, but it must be applied to our heart to where we obey the word of God. That's true wisdom. Now, maybe she'll get there. I don't know. I, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe she'll get there and realize that, that this moral deficiency that she was uh, saying that was okay. Maybe she'll get there and God will convict her about that. And, and, I, and I hope that happens. But I'm like, listen, when we gain wisdom in the Lord, it's going to affect the way you live your life. 
It's going to affect your personal life and the way you live that out in your everyday living. See, wisdom understands that there needs to be both knowledge and wisdom applied to it. Not just knowledge, but wisdom and how to live that out. And so the fear of the Lord is the basis to obtaining correct knowledge. Knowledge is the foundation of wisdom. And so let me give you an illustration here, a wonderful illustration in the Old Testament. As God was bringing the Israelites into the promised land, they would have to go through the Jordan River at flood stage, and crossing the Jordan would be like crossing the Red Sea. They would basically need a miracle. And so they're staying at the edge of the Jordan, getting ready to cross into the promised land, and it's at flood stage. And they would basically drown. It would sweep them away. And so they had to trust God that God would stop the Jordan from flowing to cross the Jordan to go into the promised land. And, and the story is that God miraculously stopped the water from flowing so that they could cross. And after the crossing, they would set up a memorial for future generations so that they would not forget the faithfulness of God. So God told them, after you cross through, I want you to set up a memorial. And the reason for the memorial was so that future generations could understand and know that it was God and God alone that saved them, that brought them through, that stopped the Jordan River from flowing so that they could cross into the land that God had promised them. Here's what's interesting. We see this in Joshua chapter 4, verse 24. And listen to what it says here. Because we, we look at this miraculous event of the Jordan River stopping, and listen to what it says here in Joshua 4.24. It says, he did this, and he shows the purpose of why he stopped the Jordan from flowing. He said, he did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you, now he's pointed back to the Israelites, and that you would what? Always fear the Lord, your God. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, so you can brag about the big miracle that God did, right? He says, no, it's for you so that you would fear me. What is he saying there? He's saying, never stop your awe and wonder of me. The reason why the Israelites went off the deep end and walked away from the Lord is they lost their awe and wonder. Actually, they lost their fear of the Lord. God never wanted them to forget that it was him and him alone. It was God and God alone that allowed them to get that far, to allow them to cross into the promised land. It's God and God alone through his son, Jesus, that's going to allow you to cross into heaven. Not in your own works, not in anything that you've done. Aren't you glad for that? Because I don't know about you, my laundry list of the mistakes that I've done in my life is going to be pretty big, right? And God could easily say, Barden, mm-mm, you missed it. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it here. You missed it there. But through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that he shed for us on that cross 2,000 years ago, God says, I'm going to cover your past, present, and future sins through the work of my son, Jesus, who is perfect in every way, who is God. And by us putting our trust in him, God leads us through. And here's the thing. God never wants you to lose that awe and wonder of what Jesus Christ has done for you. The worst thing that can happen in any Christian's life is when we become comfortable with our walk with Jesus. 
when we, when we get used to hearing the stories over and over and over again, we can get used to it, we can get comfortable, and we kind of lose that awe and wonder. And once we do that, wisdom gets thrown out the door. And we begin to rely on ourselves. See, the type of awe and wonder that God wanted them to understand was not just the miracle. The miracle was easy for God. God knew that if they didn't remember what he did for them, that they would lose their awe and wonder of who he is, and that would cause them to go astray. And that's exactly what happened. They went astray. God wanted them never, ever to lose their wonder of him. See, it's not just knowing about God. It's obeying him. It's understanding what he has for you. It's obeying his word. The more I understand the character of God, the more we stand in awe and wonder of him. The more we stand in fear, the right kind of fear of him. Like, God, you are so perfect in every way. And you are so good in every way. You've been so patient with me in every way. When you live your life that way, you will live your life humbly before him. And he will give you right wisdom for living your life. And you will make far fewer mistakes when you live that way. I love the hymn when I survey the the wondrous cross. It it says this, one of my favorite songs, but I love this one part. We're going to sing it in just a minute before we uh, do the baptisms uh, this morning. But it says this. I love this part of the song. It says, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but lost and poor contempt on all my pride. See, when you focus on the cross and you realize what Jesus did for you, I'll tell you what, it's very difficult to walk in pride. When you understand what Jesus did for you and how he gave up everything to reach us, that he was perfect in every way, that he didn't deserve anything that was thrown upon him, it causes you to walk in humility and realize, I don't deserve any of this. And what it does is it pours all that contempt on my pride and it dounces it. It eliminates it. See, the problem with knowledge is knowledge can puff up when not applied with wisdom. Wisdom says, I need you, Lord. Wisdom says, I've made a lot of mistakes and I can't do it on my own. Wisdom says, I need your help, God. Wisdom says, I'm going to walk humbly before you, Lord. And this is what we're going to dive into over the next couple months. What does it truly mean to walk in the wisdom of the Lord? When I stand in awe of Christ and what he's done for me, it causes me to walk in humility. It causes me to walk in honor and respect. I don't want to harm my relationship with Christ. I don't want to dishonor his name now because I understand what he's done for me, and I'm so grateful for that. J.C. Ryle, a 19th century English bishop, said this about, about holiness, about walking with wisdom before the Lord, about being authentic in your walk with God. I love what he says here. He says, true holiness does not consist particularly of the inward sensation or impressions. It is something of the image of Christ, which can be seen and observed by others in our private life, in our habits, in our character, in our doing. True wisdom will be applied to your life to where it changes your life 
It's not just about knowledge, how much you know. It's about how much that wisdom of God has changed your life to where people can look at your life and look at your private life and look at your doings and look at your habits and know that God is doing a work in your heart and your life. That's what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. Listen, here's where I want you to get in your life. So many times we do things in private and we're more, we walk in more fear about what other people will think. Got real quiet in here, right? We're like, well, I, I hide this thing because I know I'm more embarrassed about, well, what would so-and-so think? What? Listen, who cares about that? True fear of the Lord cares about what God thinks. So when you are alone in your private thoughts and the things that you do, your first thought should be, God, how does this make you look? God, I care more about you than anything else. That's the fear of the Lord. That's when God begins to get a grip in your heart. That's when wisdom is truly being applied to your heart, when you care more about your relationship with God than anything else. And that's a heart issue between you and the Lord. See, God knows that if he has your heart, he's going to have everything else. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. He wants your heart. So a couple questions I just want you to ask yourselves is, as we, as we pray and, and we sing and, and we get ready to celebrate these baptisms today, what is the most crucial thing in your life? What is the thing that's dominating your life? How are you applying wisdom to that? How are you applying the fear of the Lord to that? Whatever that is will dictate how you live your life. Are you more in fear of your circumstances and what you're faced with today than you are the Lord? Listen, the way you gain peace in your life is by putting that trust in the Lord, saying, God, you're in control of my life. And I'm just going to stand in awe of you and I'm going to trust you with my life and not these things that I'm faced with because I know you're faithful and I know you're good. Ask yourself, where's my knowledge coming from? Is it coming from God's word? Or is it coming from something else? Is it coming from worldly wisdom that I'm trying to gain or am I truly going to God's word and immersing myself with what he has to say about these things? See, by doing that, by going to God's word, and allowing his word to speak to your heart and your life, it will calm you. It will settle your spirit. So find yourself. This is what you need to do. Find yourself just worshiping God and standing in awe of who he is. God will redirect your heart. He will redirect your passions. And he will calm your spirit. That's what Jesus does for us. He's the Prince of Peace. He wants to come into your life. He wants to come into your life. But in order to do that, you have to humble yourself and say, I need you. The best choice I ever did in my whole life is when I was 16 years old and bowed my heart to Jesus Christ to become my Lord and Savior. I never, ever regret that. Have I made dumb decisions and bought some Snuggies and Ginsu knives? Yes, I have. I've done some bad, made some bad decisions. 
But that was the best decision I ever made in my life 40 years ago was to follow Jesus Christ. So where is your heart today? What are you anxious about? What are you worried about? Stand in awe of God today. Stand in awe of who he is. Find that true fear of the Lord to settle your spirit. He's waiting for you. He wants to give you a life that is free of those things that so entangle us to this world. And it's only found through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to pray for you today, and then we're going to sing that that beautiful hymn, and then we're going to celebrate Pastor Brandon and our intern, Aaron Bellinger, are going to baptize those at the end of the service today and celebrate with that. So can we just thank the Lord today? Would you would you bow your heads with me today? And and let's just pray and, and just ask whatever situation you're going through today, ask God for wisdom. Say, God, I need your help. I need your help in this particular situation. James says abundantly he will give you help. Abundantly he will give you wisdom for your situation. And stand in awe of God and watch him work in your life. He is faithful. He is good. He will not leave you abandoned. That's the promises that we can stand on because God is a faithful God. So we can trust Jesus with our life. So Father God, we come before you in your beautiful son's name. Lord, we stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of your creation and what you've done. And Lord, every single one of us in this place have made bad decisions. And I thank you, Lord, that you can cover us, that you can forgive us. But Lord, I pray today that we would stand in that fear of you, that awe and wonder that you and you alone are God. That your son Jesus is the savior of the world who is God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be obedient children to your word. Lord, that you would help us when we struggle with making decisions. That, Lord, we would honor you most of all. That we wouldn't worry about what the world says or my friend says or how it looks to other people. But our first thought, our first impression would be you. So help us with that today. So we thank you for your word that guides us and leads us to show us how to live our lives that please you ultimately. And that should be our desire as followers of Jesus. So help us with that today. We thank you. We love you. We're so thankful for your word today. And we want to be careful to ask all these things, all these things in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.